Hello, and welcome to the H in HR podcast, where people discuss the most important aspect of human resources, the human aspect. Now here is your host, Ricky Baez. Folks, welcome to the HNHR podcast. My name is Ricky Bias. I am your host, broadcasting from the beautiful A1E Beachfront Studios in Central Florida. And in case you haven't noticed, it is the end of the year. It is December. This year, like every year in the past, I say this every time, it has just flown by, folks. And uh, I have yet to start my Christmas shopping. I got to get going with that. And, uh, and folks, if you haven't uh, planned your finances or what you're going to do for next year, then you're late too, right? Because normally I start that a couple of months ago. But it's been a busy year, which I'm happy for. And hopefully next year is even busier. I mean, that's, that's the hope. But folks, I cannot wait for this episode. Actually, now that I cannot wait, I've been waiting for this one for a long time because I'm talking with my friend, Dave Miklas. Now, David Miklas, he's an employment and labor law attorney. He's a friend of the show. Um, he, uh, he and I go way back to the beginnings of Disrupt HR Orlando. And today, we're going to be talking about the biggest confusion. Well, I don't want to call it the biggest confusion, but a huge confusion out there in the workforce today. And that, that is... Who is a contractor and who is an employee? Now, some of you know that difference. I know that difference, but there's a lot of leaders out there who don't, understandably so, because the line between an employee and a contractor can be blurred if you don't know what you're doing. So that's why I'm happy to have David on um, because uh, he has been doing this for a long time. He deals with these kind of situations every day. So there's just no better person to talk to. So folks, without further ado, check this out. David Miklas talking about contractor versus an employee. Check it out. David Miklas, man, it's been a while. How have you been? Uh, good, good, busy. I, I, I don't know how many disrupt events I've been doing, but I, I'm busy. <laughs> well, I know how many you have done. All of them, Dave. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> so you really enjoy it, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's it's challenging. Uh, I don't know how many people have seen me speak 60-minute sessions, but I'll tell you, those five-minute sessions where I can't control that slide advancer, they're, they're much more challenging for me than the 60-minute sessions. Well, it, it's, you know what, I can definitely understand that. And and look, and I was I was in HR Florida with you, and I'll set it a Disrupt HR, and I'll say it here, you have a, you have somewhat of a following, because you have, because <laughs> you had a line outside the door, because I honestly thought you were selling Air Jordans. I'm like, man, he's got a side hustle. So, I mean, it, people are really interested in different ways organizations can get fired, right? I mean, that's sued. Sure, sure. And, you know, I, I guess I'm fortunate that maybe my style right now seems to resonate with the audience. So if if that's what's happening now, I'm, I'm very happy I can do that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know what? I've got I've got some questions for you. But be, be, before I do, David, I know we did a uh, a pre-production talk. Right. And uh, but I there's a question I have to ask. And I've been wanting to ask you this for the longest time, for the longest okay. time. Right. So and, and this is something I've always wondered. Is there a class in law school that tells you or teaches you or says, hey, if you decide to start your own law firm, you've got to partner with people with the same name. Is that a thing? Because I've seen a lot of law firms with people that have either either the bias and bias or the uh, or or the John and John and John law firm. I mean, what, what's that all about? 
uh, honestly, my experience is usually when, when they have the same names, unless it's a common name, yeah. um, usually it's a father and a son or a father and a daughter or a mother and a daughter. It's usually some family um, and the person, ah. the older person intends to pass it down to them usually. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I've, I've always wondered about that because it, it's, I, I see more, more and more uh, names that are alike than different names. So, so I figured, you know what? I've got David on here. Just hit me. I'm like, I got to ask you that question. <laughs> but look, today I want to talk about contractors, contractors versus employees. And, you know, uh, and I, I know this is something you've dealt with for years and still are dealing with right now. And I'm seeing a lot, a lot of different um, organizations out there that kind of have it wrong. Can you, for the people listening right now, what is the the bare bones difference between an employee and a contractor? Okay, so an employee um, typically has work works for someone else's business. They're typically paid by the hour salary. They use the employer's tools and equipment. They typically work for one employer. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a continuing relationship for years with that employer. Um, The employer decides when they work, what time they take their breaks, things like that. And the employer assigns them um, the work that they're going to do. Whereas a contractor really is in business for themselves. Mm. And um, the distinguishing thing, the the, the bare bones is that a contractor basically runs their own business. They typically have an LLC or an INC. They've incorporated with the state of Florida. They're found on SunBiz. Um, They're typically paid upon completion of a project, they would submit an invoice. And when they, the work is done, they get paid. Um, they they usually provide all their own tools and equipment. Uh, they usually work for multiple clients, not just one. Um, mm. It's usually a temporary relationship until that project is done. And uh, the worker themselves decides when they're going to do the work, like IT. Sometimes they're working in their pajamas at midnight. Um, the refrigerator repair person shows up whenever the heck he wants to in the middle of the day. Um So that's the nuts and bolts of it. And there is actually a test. And what the Department of Labor says, and and the test is different for the IRS and the Department of Labor, but the the Department of Labor test is really broad. And it specifically is intended to find more workers as employees Mm. than uh, independent contractors. So the Department of Labor's view is everyone is an employee unless the employer can prove otherwise. So the burden's on on the business to prove, nope, Bob's not our employee and here's why. And then there's there's a whole six-factor test that, that you have to go through in order to prove it. You can't just say, hmm, I'm going to call you an independent contractor or we're going to agree that you're an independent contractor so I don't have to take tax. You can't, you can't just do that. You actually have to meet the test yeah. or else they're not going to be classified properly. So the burden is on the, the employer. Huh? So, so the assumption is that everybody's an employee unless they can prove otherwise. Okay, so that part of it, I know. Interesting. So, so what's the upside? Why, why do some organizations and, and maybe I'm asking this wrong. Why, why, why are there so many issues with this confusion? Why do businesses think it's better to bring somebody on as a contractor? I don't even know if if I'm asking that right. (laughs) No, no, no. Well, there's a lot of benefits. First of all, first of all, almost all of the discrimination statutes only apply to employees. So you can't sue for title seven discrimination, race discrimination, gender discrimination, none of that stuff, age discrimination, uh, disability discrimination, all that stuff applies for employees. So if you have an independent contractor, they are not an employee. So they, so you don't have any of that liability. Also, and this is the big thing, you don't have to pay overtime if they work more than 40 hours in a work week. Also, uh, you don't pay taxes, Social Security, FICA, the matching, any of that stuff. You don't have to do that if they're not employees. The, the independent contractor is responsible for themselves 
paying their own portion of taxes. So there's a lot of incentives for employers to for businesses to not have employees. The problem is if you misclassify them and you get caught, it's extremely expensive almost always to fix it. Huh. So well from from like from from a legal perspective, like hiring an attorney to make it happen or fines you got to pay to the federal government. Well, usually the way I see it when it happens is a worker at some point, they, they may have wanted to be an independent contractor, um, but at some point, they're upset about something. They either go to a lawyer, they go to the Department of Labor, or they file for unemployment. Okay, Typically, outside of COVID, only employees are eligible for unemployment. You have to be employed to get unemployment yeah. uh, compensation. So if you apply for unemployment and you're going to fight that battle, unemployment might say, yeah, we think you really are an employee. And then all of a sudden, the Department of Labor gets a call or the Florida Department of Revenue gets a call because he didn't pay taxes on them. So that's usually where I see. I see where maybe someone is just upset and they go to a lawyer and lawyer say, hmm, you know what? I think they misclassified you and you work 60 hours a week. You're, you're owed a lot of overtime. Uh, Let's go after uh, them. That's usually where I see it. Got it. So, yeah, I <laughs> I could definitely see that. out. You know, that that I actually do see that happening quite a bit out there as far as people. Actually, I think the confusion is bigger than what uh, than what some people think. Right. And yes, there is that. I don't want to call it a tax advantage. Right. Because I don't want to. Because it, it, It's if you do it, if you hire an independent contractor, you don't pay those taxes. But then you treat wait, wait. just just so we're clear, you don't hire anything other than employees. You would engage an independent contractor. Got you would it. have a, 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 an arrangement with an independent contractor, but you only hire employees. Interesting. Got it. All right. So if I if if an organization engages in contractors, but it, it, it's it's difficult, right? Because I've been in situations from a from an employer's perspective that we do engage with contractors to bring them in to help with a surge, right? But what they told us to do is if we have some kind of a company function, don't invite them. If we had like a pizza party, don't invite them, which sounds bad at first. But now later on in my career, I fully understand why. You want to give the listeners a little insight on why that's not a good idea to invite a – because. It, it sounds crappy, doesn't it? Well, 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 they're really not part of the team. Um, as, as much as I know HR loves to have team and team building and all that, at the end of the day, an independent contractor is not an employee. They don't get the employee handbook. They don't sign the employee birthday cards, none of that stuff. You want to make them look as different from employees as possible. The worst possible scenario is having a worker sitting right next to another worker one of whom is classified as an employee and the other one is classified as an independent contractor and they do the same thing. That almost always is uh. not going to be appropriate. Um, so you want to set it up so that um, that they look very different um, because otherwise, if they look the same, why would you classify one an employee and one not? It looks suspicious that you're probably not classifying the independent contractor properly. And I can definitely see how how a leader, a manager can can mess that up because that manager's heart might be open, right? And they say, you know what? Let me treat everybody for donuts and put everybody together. And and HR may not know that's happening, so it's more of a training for the, for the manager. So for HR listening out there, you got to make sure you provide training to your managers on how to treat employees versus how to treat independent contractors. Because that I've seen that happen from the other side, and that's really difficult to do, isn't it? Yeah, um, the way maybe the best way to think about it is the typical independent contractor that owns their own business would be like the refrigerator repairman yeah. or the lawn service person that comes in and mows the grass. They come 
they perform a service, they bring all their own tools and equipment, they do the service uh, whenever they want, whenever they come in, they figure, okay, I'm going to show up at this time. You never know when your grass is going to get cut, do you? I mean, they just show up and cut it. And, you know, sometimes you get the bill after each session, sometimes you get it once a, a month, sometimes every two weeks, whatever kind of arrangement you have. But upon completion of that discrete project, you're going to get a bill and you pay that bill. That's what an independent contractors. If someone is sitting in the office all day long, five days a week, it's probably not going to be a, an independent contractor. Yeah. Now, sometimes it might be, but those are rare situations. Sometimes maybe you have a huge IT project and you're bringing in this IT contractor and they've got a three month uh, time where they're switching over all the computers in the whole co company. That kind of thing might be where they're actually working alongside because the physical computers are there and they have to, but generally they come in, they do their project and then they leave or else sometimes they can do it remotely. Ah, so I got a scenario for you. I have a one because, you know, of course, attorneys love what if scenarios and folks, for everybody listening, whatever we talk about here, please understand this is not to be mistaken as legal advice. If you have a specific issue, please contact David Miklas and I'll put his number, his information at the end of the show. So here's a hypothetical. So let's say we do have an employer. I, I own an organization and I I don't hire. I bring somebody and I engage in a, in, in, in a contract with somebody to be an admin, right? But for like a year. Be a what? Admin? An admin, right? So okay. an, an admin assistant. Come in, help me with this, and then leave. Sure. Right? But for like a year, I've been treating that admin like an employee, right? I included her in, uh, in breakfast and all these things. I tell that admin how to do her job and how not to do her job. And then later on, now she wants to be an employee and wants that one-year service. So from a, a legal perspective, right, what what kind of legal hoops do would you have to jump through to make that right for me as the employer? Well, you, not legal advice. <laughs> well, in that situation, you have to analyze, was it likely that the person all along really was an employee and they're misclassified or, or did their job did it qualify as an independent contractor? And now you're changing a lot of the, the, the requirements and now you're having a lot more control over them, but you know, th there's a six factor test. One is what, what is their opportunity for profit and loss? What is their investment in tools and equipment? Um, the permanency of the relationship the, and the key is really the, the degree of control. If you told that admin, listen, we're going to start at eight o'clock in the morning. You take your lunch at noon, you take a 30 minute lunch, you come back, and then, you know, you leave at the end of the day at five. That's a lot of control over that yeah. worker. That probably was an employee. So if you determine, shoot, we misclassified the person and now she wants to be an employee, you have to decide, okay, do we determine, okay, we, we misclassified her. We probably should have been taking out the Social Security and FICA and all that stuff for the last year. You can say, okay, well, now, now we'll go back and fix it. You go back and calculate what you didn't pay to, in taxes and all that. Um and, and you pay it and then you have no liability at all. Um, or you drop down to your hands and knees and pray. And every day that goes by without a lawsuit is one less day of liability. Um, yeah, <laughs> those are business decisions that you have to make depending on your degree of risk tolerance yeah. and, and how close of a call it was. But I, I do see situations a lot of times where someone is classified one way. And at some point they realize that they were not, they really shouldn't have been an independent contractor and then we have to go through steps. How do we how do we get them on as an employee? And frankly, if they if they were an independent contractor, you probably never had them fill out an I nine. You need to do that now. Ah. They probably never filled out a W four because you gave them a ten ninety nine at the end of the year. Well, they need a W four so you can give them a W two at the end of the year. 
Those are the kinds of things that you need. You probably never had it. You may have not had any kind of contract with them. Well, now you probably need to give them an offer letter. Um, those are the, you know, you do your regular onboarding once they're an employee because you probably never did any of that stuff with them before. If you need to give them training, you give them training because if they're, if they really were an independent contractor, you should have never trained them. If you gave them training, then, you know, maybe, maybe they were misclassified. Did I answer your question? You sure as hell did. <laughs> I sure did. Because, that hypothetical. Wow. <laughs> that hypothetical was good. So, so David, what, what, what is the one thing? What if there was one thing you wish business leaders could know that would keep them out of hot water when it comes to mistakenly, you know, just confuse the contractor for an employee? What is the one thing you wish they would do so they don't get sued? When it, when it comes to contractors. I think the the smartest decision for, and these are usually small businesses when they're first starting out. If they can reach out to an employment, it doesn't have to be me, it can be any kind of employment attorney and, and help them at least analyze at the beginning, is this really going to be an independent contractor? Help them get set up because once you're set up the right way, th- then it's easy to move forward. It gets really expensive if you've screwed it up and then you get caught later on or you try and fix it later on because then you're dealing with, okay, well, we screwed it up. So to have no liability, we really have to go back for the last two years and fix this. Otherwise, someone can sue us for it. That's, yeah. you know, the, the general statute of limitations is, is two years. Sometimes it's three years if, if there's a willful violation. But so my advice would be, if you're just starting out, if you open up your business, spend a little money, talk to an employment attorney, make sure that what you think is going to be set up is right. Like if you think someone's a, it's not the contractor issue, but a, an, a, a salaried exempt employee. Well, there's a test for that. They actually have to meet the test. If you just said that they're exempt and you never pay them overtime, there may be a big issue later on. So those kinds of things, just like whether someone's an independent contractor, you should run that by your employment attorney just to make sure. And it may be, yeah, it might be $500, $1,000 to make sure that it's set up the right way. But then you might be saving twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 of back wages and liquidated mm. damages and, and other fines that you know you might be assessed later on. And, and also, if you've got a bunch of these people, if you have more than one contractor, this could be a serious amount of liability. Think about that. You know, if you misclassify 20 people, that's a lot of money. Wow. I did not think. Well, <laughs> well, it sounds like you may have to come back on the show later on there, David, because I know we're going to get a lot of questions. So I got one more bonus question. We we didn't talk about this. I know you don't like surprises, but I have to ask. Now, this question, <laughs> this question is big. Are you ready? Uh-huh. Die Hard. Christmas movie or not? Oh, of course. Thank you. Okay, you know what? Where's the? Where's the? Uh, there it is. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Well, folks, you heard it here, David Miklas, my friend. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Ricky. Have a good one. You too. All right, folks. So there you have it. Now you know the difference between an employee and a contractor. You heard it from David, so there's no mistaking now. You know what to do. And in case you still don't, go ahead and give him a call. Actually, you just find him on, on the web, the computer web. That is MiklasEmploymentLaw.com. That is M-I-K-L-S EmploymentLaw.com. And also, if you want to grab any other show that we have here in the H&HR Podcast, we are on Spotify. We are on Amazon, Audible, Player FN, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, all wherever you grab, wherever you download your uh, your podcast needs, that's where we are. Just look for the H and HR podcast. So, folks, that said, that is all the time that we have. Man, just just excited. Holidays are here. All right, folks, have a good one. <laughs>